You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. So I started a a series uh, last week called Legacy. And uh, thank you for the responses. Thank God for the responses that we have been receiving uh, from this series. And it all uh, boils around uh, the, the important truth that the Lord gives us three things in life, on our earthly lives. It gives us three things that we're able to invest to leave a legacy because we don't need them when we're going into eternity as far as, as far as heaven. And I mentioned what those three things are. The three things are time. God gives you an amount of time on this earth. And what you do with that time is the legacy that you'll leave. Think about it. Uh, he gives us uh, talent. All of us have giftings. And what we do with that gifting from the day we're born till the day we die is going to leave a legacy. And every one of you, you need to know this, every one of you has talent. Every one of you has a gift. And you're either going to bury it with you or you're going you're to leave it here on earth and make a, make a difference in someone's life or many people's lives. And then God gives us treasure in our life. Amen? All of us had a little bit of money this week to go buy a Maybe a soda, maybe a Starbucks, maybe you went out to eat with someone, whatever it was, um, and you, you, you enjoyed that. That was God-given. Uh, and so what we do with that treasure here on earth will leave a legacy. It'll leave a legacy in, in how, we, how we spend it. And that's what we're kind of uh, putting everything as far as centering around. How do we leave a legacy of generosity? I've heard it said that um, if you enjoy what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. You ever heard that? If you enjoy what you do, it's very easy to get up in the morning and go to work. In fact, you become like the seven dwarfs. Whistle while you work, right? And it's, it's enjoyable. And um, uh, people who leave a positive legacy, they enjoy investing their time to the lives of people that God places in their path. It's not a burden. It's not burdensome. They, they enjoy sharing their, their talent. They enjoy uh, sharing time and getting with people. Think about the people that, that, that God has placed in your path and the people that you really spend time with. The reason that you spend time with them is because you enjoy them. And when you stop enjoying them, you make excuses not to spend time with them. Right? Don't get all serious and churchy on me. <laughs> Not me. Or, or, or you spend money on them. How many of you enjoy someone and you spend money on them? If you haven't, just have some grandchildren. You'll find out that you want to spend money on them. Or you'd spend, you, know, you have that, your wife, your, your husband, you just enjoy uh, spending your treasure. And, and you enjoy it because it makes not only them better, but it makes the world better. How many of you have noticed, just, just think with me, that we as people put more energy into the things that we enjoy rather than the things that we don't? 
And I was thinking about this when I was putting the message together. I was thinking about all the things that I enjoy, and maybe some of you might enjoy this or you may enjoy other things, but I was thinking about how people will spend a lot of energy going to a place that is grassed, lawned. They'll even spend money. They'll pay people to manicure that, that, that location. They'll even put grass in the desert at this location, and people enjoy going over there. And what the purpose is, I want you to think about it, is there's a small white ball. It's a small white ball, and people enjoy going, and they hit that ball with a stick. That stick is called a shaft. You name it. You name it. You make it elaborate, right? It's called a shaft, and so they put a rubber or a leather thing on the, t- on the top of that stick, and they call that a grip. And so you hold this by the grip. So now you got a stick that has a, that has a, a, a leather holding thing on top. And then the bottom is made out of, they find out what can they put in the bottom to make the ball go at least two yards further. Because then people will spend their treasure on it. They call the bottom the head. And so they'll put a titanic Head or they'll put, uh, or uh, not Titanic. <laughs> you can. I need a Titanic head so I won't miss it. Titanium. They put a titanium head on it or they put a, all kinds of different things and you just think, I gotta have this. I gotta have this treasure. And then you buy the most elaborate set of these sticks and you spend money. And you go and get lessons. And you go and hit the ball for most of your life. How do, how do I know this? Because I've done it. I try to do it as much as I can. And I was driving and I was thinking about how much logic is it in hitting a little white ball into a small hole. And then you get frustrated. And so you buy all this, you, you pour your treasure, you spend, you, you, you spend your time, you invest your talent, and then you leave those clubs when you die. They leave them to your kids or your grandkids, and they put them up for sale at a yard sale. Oh. No, think about it. Think with me. For a fraction of the price. For pennies of the hundred dollars that you paid for. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. And there's these people, and we all fit in this category, that there's some, this thing. It's got wheels, four wheels on it. This thing, right? And you begin to say, I want that thing. It's got four wheels. Every one of those things, that you see them on this black pavement, and they're going up and down the road. Every one of them does the same thing. They all do the same thing. What they do is you turn the ignition on. And it starts. It takes you from one place to another place. But then we have these people, and we're all fit in this category, that you say there's only one kind. They're called vehicles, right? There's only one kind of a vehicle that is good for anything. And you may be a Chevy person in here, and you say, I want a Chevy that's if you're from one side of the tracks. 
I want to, have you seen my Chevy? There was my shares, right? On the other side, it's a Chevy. Or someone says, I want, I'm a Ford person and there's no other vehicle like a Ford. Or, or you might say, there's no vehicle like a Jeep and you, you get a Jeep or there's no vehicle like a, you know, a, a, a Lexus. Come on, let's not leave the, leave the Lexus out. There's no vehicle like a BMW, whatever it may be. And it's the same vehicle and you invest and you invest and you invest your time and you clean it up. And some of you guys, you got these nice cars and you clean them up and you invest into them and they look nice. You've spent time, you spent your talent, you work on them. Anyone ever worked? Worked on their vehicles. I've done that once or twice and they run worse, so I don't touch them anymore. You invest your talent and you fix these vehicles up because they are yours and you leave a legacy when you die and you leave your Beamer or your Chevy or your Ford to your daughter. Right? Do you give it to her grandsons? This was, like, this was your grandpa's? This was your grandma's dream car? Right? And they go trade it in. They had a Chevy to go trade it in for a Ford. <laughs> you leave the legacy. Doesn't stop there. Then you've got these individuals, mostly women. And they make these Blankets, knitted blankets. Oh, don't call them knitted. They're not knitted blankets. They're called quilts. You have to make sure you say the right verbiage. And they invest their time into these knitted blankets. I mean, quilts. And they put, they have parties. They have quilting parties. They get all the people together and they hang out and they have this fellowship, blanket fellowship, I mean quilting fellowship. And they invest their time and they invest their talents. In fact, they buy these elaborate machines that can put these quilts together. And then they leave them as a legacy to their daughter or their son who have grandchildren. And the grandchildren grow up and become teenagers. And they go and they say, where's that old blanket that grandma gave me or gave to you, mom? And they get that blanket and they go work on the Ford that they traded grandpa's Chevy for as they're working on it. And they leave a legacy. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> the reality is, is uh, we're, all leaving, we're all leaving a legacy. Amen? And, and what I want to get to is that your legacy may not be as important to other people as it is to you. Are you with me? How do I know that? Because just yesterday, I was up in the mountains. I could even go in, I could even say a story about how these people go up in the mountains and they go and spend a lot of treasure on these glasses, on these optics, so they can see from here to Benson. <laughs> and you find these nice little 
bucks. And you got to think, I got to walk about 14 miles to get to this. But I see it. I could go on and on and on how we always treasure. But here's, here's what I want to get to is that your legacy with worldly things may not be as important to people as it is to you. And then I want us to think our legacy that we leave in this world, there should be one person that matters, and that's God. I'm not telling you not to, not to quilt. I think it's wonderful. I'm not telling you not to buy a Ford or a Chevy or a Jeep. Those are awesome. I'm not telling you not to invest in golfing because you'll see me up out there on the, on the course. But what I'm telling you is when we leave a legacy with God at the center of it, you'll never be disappointed. Amen? So we're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 again, and we've been going through this, this, uh, this study. We started it last week. And this is, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of many other scholars, probably the best, the best uh, uh, template, the, ble- the best example of New Testament generosity. It's about how we give with grace, how we give with the Lord allowing us with no condemnation, no guilt, no pressure. We should never give to God with pressure. Amen. We learned that last week. And so we're, co- we're coming to verses 8 and 11 today. And we're going to see what the Lord says, but I want to pray uh, over, over the message right now. So let's pray. Father, thank you for every person here. Thank you that you're here. As I speak today, Lord God, I just pray your blessing over every word. And as we open up your, your word, the Bible, I pray that I can uh, handle it in a way that's going to honor you. That everybody that's sitting here today will, will say it's been, it's been a good use of my time to be in God's house. And, and, uh, and this message, I pray that they will say it spoke to my heart. It spoke to my life. And that not only will we hear it, but we'll begin to put things into practice. And so we pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So in verse 8, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, God is able to bless you abundantly. And how many of you believe that? God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And I think that is so cool that God wants to, he wants for you to abound in, in everything. He wants to bless you abundantly. He, all this abundance. And, and it, when you think about the, the, this reality and you look at every year how God has given you time, he's given you talent, he's given you treasure. All of this is for you to be a blessing to, to other people. And especially to be a blessing to those that need Jesus. And so he goes on, he says, as, as it is written... They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. See, every, every, every thought that you put into these boxes, everything that you put in and that's going to Africa or going to Latin America or going to all these different places, wherever Samaritan's purse thinks that they are, they're needed, God is seeing everything that you're doing, and, and he says that you will be, that this righteousness... 
That work that you're doing is going to endure forever. It's never going to be taken from you. Why is that important? It's important because the legacy that we leave sometimes with vehicles and, and with uh, golf, golfing and with whatever it may be, you know, quilting, all these things, all those things are going to perish. But the things that we do for the glory of God last forever. And then he says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. I love it because it says God's going to take care of us people. He's going to take care of us. He, he who supplies will also enlarge it. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous, generous, sorry, generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God continually gives to his people so that we can live open-handed instead of close-handed. God continually gives to us so we can live an open-handed Christian life instead of close-handed. The more we invest in making people better for the glory of Jesus, the happier we will be. The happiest people are, the, are generous people. Not with, a, not with a, a, a heart that's wrong, but with a heart that's pure. Amen? That's what the church is all about. We leave a legacy of the love of God in every generation. The more generous you are, Think about it, the happier that you'll be. So today we're talking about rejoicing in the legacy of generosity. And I put down two reasons that, re that we can rejoice in this legacy. Okay? Reason number one. We can rejoice because giving takes away the burden of financial worry. Money can do a lot of things to us, but it does two main things to people. Money will make you thankful, or the lack of money will lead you to worry and stress. Anyone ever been worried about or stressed out about money? You, you don't have to raise your hands. If you, you know, but anyone ever fought with someone in the family, a spouse, about finances? Yeah. Worry is at the opposite end of joy. You have joy on one side, you have worry and stress on the other. And people who leave a legacy of generosity, they stress less about money and they rejoice more about God. They rejoice more about the, the giver, the one who provides everything for us. Because they understand that we are just managers. If there's something that I want you to grasp, and we talked about it last week, and, and we're going to talk about it through the, throughout the series, is that we bring nothing into this world, and we also take nothing out of this world. That tells us that nothing is ours. Everything belongs to God. Before we were here, God, God took care of everything. And after we're gone, God takes care of everything. So that means that nothing belongs to us, but when you grab a hold of the fact that we are managers of what God has given us, and you think, I've made so much money, I've, made, I've got this good job. Can I tell you that God had a part to play in that, a big part? 
He opened up that door. He opened up that interview. He gave you the, the ability to, to whatever gift or talent you have to be able to process that. And, and you're actually the candidate that got the job. Of all the thousands maybe that put in for this job, you might have been that one. My, my son-in-law, there was a thousand applicants to become a, a, a state trooper in New Mexico where he was going. There was like a thousand applicants. He was one of 40 he got rejected over here. I just, that just came to my mind. He got rejected here in Arizona, but God had a plan and took him to New Mexico. Here's what you need to know, that everything that we have, it's not ours. We're just stewards of it. We're just managers of it. And it helps us to understand that because we're managers of God's blessing, we all will give an account of what we've done with it. Does, does Jesus care about how we give? Does he care? I believe he does because he went, I thought about this this morning. He went to the temple. He went to the synagogue. He went to this place and he was watching. And what was he watching? Was he watching the way they worshiped, the way they, they sang? There was a, there's an instance where he's watching and he's watching the way that they're giving. And there was this poor widow, this poor, this poor lady that went and she gave. And it's crazy to me because he says to his disciples, he, he says, stop. He says, I want, I want to tell you something. You see all this? She gave more than all of them. So, so Jesus does care about not what we give. Jesus cares about how we give. Jesus cares about what? Our hearts. And so he's always, 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 always working on us to be generous, to leave a legacy. And it has nothing to do with money because God will always provide. The Bible says God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good Work. Isn't that amazing? It, it just speaks to me. This is the word of God. It says the Lord will provide. Tell your neighbor the Lord will provide. And, and, and there may be someone in here and you've been stressing about money. You've been stressing about finances. You've been stressing. And the finances, the money. I know I've been there. Sean and I have been there. The finances be, begin to be, become your God. You think about them a lot more than the Lord. And everyone ever woken up thinking about, about how you're going to pay your bills and then gone to sleep thinking about how you're going to pay your bills and it just consumes you instead of saying, Lord, you're able because you're God. And everything belongs to you. Giving does not mean handling, or I'm sorry, handing over financial responsibility to God, but it does mean handing over the worry and the burden of it. We give God the, we give God our worry, we give God our burdens, and we say, Lord, teach us to be good managers. Teach us to be good stewards. I mentioned last week, and I'm going to say it again because, you, you know, sometimes we forget things, right? Anyone ever forgot something? I was driving with my son. You guys remember this? Driving with my son, Jacob. Some of you are maybe first time here and there's maybe first time listener on the podcast. Driving with my son about three weeks ago. We're driving. I said, because here's, here's why, why we were having this discussion. Because he was worried about his finances. 
And he's always been really good with finances. He's always had money in, in the savings account, all these things, but now he's got a family. Now, you know, things happen when you have a family, right? Everyone, anyone notice that? When you're single, everything's good. Living with mom and dad, it's even better. You have a family, pressure comes, and so we're, we're driving, and, and how many of you have coaching moments with your kids? Anyone ever coached, you know, to just get a chance to, to pour some? How many of you just listen? That's good, right? We listen. We're different. When, when they get into their 20s, we're different kinds of parents than when they're in their fives, right? So we're driving, and he's, he's worried about finances, and I said, I want you to do something for me. I said, I want you to add some numbers up for me. So I told him, you know, when, since I've been working, I started working at the age of 19. I worked on some little job before that, but when I got out of college, started working. Started working in the mine. And I said, so if you average everything out, sometimes I made right below 40000 Sometimes I made more than that. I said, but if you average everything out throughout my life, I probably made around 40000 for 30 years. 40000 a year. I said, add that up. He added 40000 times 30. And he goes, Dad, you're a millionaire. I said, yes, I was before you were born. <laughs> I said that last week. I thought it was worth repeating. But if you were to do that, if you were to do the math in your, some of you have made maybe less. Some of you have probably made more. Some of you have made a lot more. But you add up what God has given you. And if we say to God, you know, I, have, I don't have any money. I don't have, I don't have resources it's kind of like, like putting a, our fist in his face because he continually blesses us. Amen? And he doesn't want for us to worry. He doesn't want for us to worry about money because it becomes your God. Anything that takes up your time becomes your God. If you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife that takes up all of your time, it becomes your God. God is the only entity worthy of our worship. And Jesus, again, he, he said, you know, let me tell you, let me tell you a, 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 some important uh, things, a, a parable. He said, you're going to worry about money. It's going to try to get your heart. Don't worry about mammon. God's going to take care of that. The Father will take care of that. So if you're worrying today, because I know that so, as we're sitting here, all of us in here have probably worried about finances at some point in our life. And when we start to worry, it should be an indicator that something is wrong. If you're here today and maybe you're not a, you're not a Christian, you, you, you have not put your faith in Jesus, even if you don't have Jesus in your life, you need to know that worry is an indicator that there's something wrong. We were not created to worry. It does a lot of damage to us uh, physically. It does a lot of damage emotionally. It does a lot of damage spiritually. And so here are, three, here are three steps that we can take, and they're very simple steps that we can take whenever we worry about finances. The first step is we can talk to God. That should be the first step in everything. We talk to God. How many of you talk to everybody else but God? You talk to God. That's called prayer. Nothing will ever happen without prayer. Because when you pray, you bring God into your financial circumstance. And God has the ability to replace your worry with trust. 
all of us, all of us have probably dealt with worrying over stuff that rubs, robs us of our faith. Amen? And Jesus said this. I love it, and I love the way the message paraphrase puts it in uh, Matthew 6. He says, has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion and how you, know, how you look, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside of these wildflowers. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. To not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. Ain't that cool? Don't be so preoccupied with getting. Instead, really put your focus on God's giving. And I'm not talking, he's not talking here about you giving. He's saying about you receiving. You receiving from the Lord with a thankful heart. People who don't know God and the way that he works, they fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life into the God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will always be met. Step two. If you start worrying, not only do you talk to God, but you need to embrace the counsel of a trusted brother or sister in Christ because we all need accountability. We all need accountability. And this is so vital to your emotional, mental, physical health. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this, that the legacy you leave will depend on the people that you hang out with. The people that you lean on will really shape the legacy that you leave. Paul wrote to the Galatians, he said, he said this, and it goes with what we did with Debbie Ann and Rick. It says, share each other's burdens. Our campus directors lost their, their, their grandchild. We're hurting with them. Amen? And in this way, you, go, you obey the law of Christ. So I need people to come alongside and lift me up when I'm in a hard place. Most of us have gone through some kind of financial difficulty. Most of us have been in some really difficult places. And so when you find a trusted person, they can come alongside and say, you're going to be okay. I made it through it. How many of you have been in the darkest place in your life financially? You think, I'm never going to get out of this mess. And how many of you have gotten out of that mess? God has pulled you through. I, oh, boy, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. And then this is, I love the way that the, the Proverbs, the, the God's book on wisdom, it says in Proverbs 27, 5 and 6, it says, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. In other words, sometimes you need to be told, hey, quit spending money. Right? Instead of just saying, let's go spend it together. <laughs> if you're buying, I'm eating. Right? 
Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. We all need people in our lives to be straight with us, to tell us the truth when we are in error. In our finances, we need people whose heart is more interested in truth than making you feel better. You have, do you have someone in your life that will speak truth and sometimes you hate it? You don't want to hear that? You kind of, you're so rude. No, they're not rude. They're truth. They're, they're speaking the truth. And then you go to the people that make you feel better. Oh, it's okay. You're going to be all right. They need to tell you, you know what? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> you put all this money into your cars, into your, into your, your quilt, into your gothing. <laughs> you know, all these different. Someone needs to speak the truth. Amen? Boy, that's getting really quiet in here. This comes, to, this comes to me too. The only way that you can make your legacy a God-honoring one is by embracing people who, who have God's best interest at hand. Step three, embrace God-inspired tools which will lead you to financial freedom. That means take a next step. When I got into my worst, when, when, when Shauna and I went through our worst financial dark spot in our life, when we got to that place in our life, God directed me in these three areas. First of all, you, you, you talk to God. You're saying, God, what am I going to do? Second thing is you find someone that's good with their finances. Accountability. And then the next thing is you begin to look for tools that are going to lead you to financial freedom. You take the next step. So what we did is we, we, we got together, went to some trusted people. Then we brought Financial Peace University to Living Word Chapel. It was at that time that Sean and I were going through some of the, one of the most darkest places in our life. And here's the thing. We go, and I go to the, to the leadership here, and I say, I've got this situation, and I want to be very honest with you. This is what's going on. And they said to me, we're going to stand with you. We're going we're to get through this together. And I'll never forget, some of them said, you know what? We have the finances to be able to to." help you with this and one of them was wonderful man of God said no that's not what they need right now what they need is to allow God to progressively move them out of it see this is what we do this is what we do with as parents you you give your kids money when they need to understand what it is to go through something and learn it was one of the greatest learning experiences in my whole life it was one of the experiences where I said, I don't want credit ever again. It, it, it filtered into the church. We got credit cards and we cut them up. Living Word Chapel, we cut credit cards. They're evil. They just stare at you and say, spend. You can pay later. And think about this. This is good right here. Life is about next steps. Amen? Even if you didn't plan, even if you didn't plan out how you got into the financial mess that you're in, there were steps that got you there. Life is about steps. You may not take God's steps, but you're taking steps down a path. 
And God is desiring to give you the tools and the plan to get you out of financial bondage and into financial freedom. How do I know that? Because the psalmist put it like, put it like this. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord will hold them up by the hand. And I saw God hold me up by the hand. And can I tell you something? I don't care what people think. I don't care if people say, this guy's been through a hard time. All I know is that God got me through. All I know is that God put people in my path. All I know is that it's important for us to have people around us that really care about us. Because God does not want you burdensome. God does not want you worried. God does not want you to not have the ability to be generous and make a difference for Jesus. Because what I found out in my worst dark place financially is that it was so hard to be generous. Because we didn't have it. Anyone ever been there? You want to be generous, but there's there's nothing there to be generous with. And that's exactly why we need to process how do we put the steps for God to be glorified in our finances. I'm being very transparent. Reason number two, okay? Rejoice in the legacy of generosity because, God, because giving will enrich you. Man, I wish I had another 45 minutes. Because this is such, such important stuff, Right? When God invites us to give, he is pleading not just with our emotions, but with our, he's pleading with our reason. Okay? Don't ever just give emotionally, right? Where you're, oh, I was just, my, my heart was stirred. God wants us to reason things out. Are you with me? You and I were created to be generous. Think about this. None of us were created to be stingy. How do I know that? What do you do when you're, whenever your kids, if you're a parent in here, whenever your kids are not sharing, what do you do? What do you say? Hey, share with your brother. Share with your sister. Amen? There's logic behind that. It's not good for us, okay? Now, Paul wrote this. He said, you will be enriched in all things and in every way so that you can have the biggest house on the block. So that you can have the nicest car in the town. So that you can have the biggest quilt in the quilt party. He says, God will enrich you in all things and in every way so that you can be can you say this with me so you can be what? Generous. You know what, God? Let me tell you something, beloved. I want you to look, I want you to look at me real quick. There's some of you in here that God has blessed you immensely this year. And he blessed you immensely, not for you, 
blessed you so he could change your heart. He could change people's lives. Amen? I'm going to close with three ways, three ways that God will lead us to rejoice as he enhances our generosity. The only way, hear me now, this is for me too, it came to me first this week. The only way that you can live a generous life is, is if you're an open-hand Christian. Open-hand Christian just means, Lord, I'm open to whatever you give so that I can be open to give for your glory. God will give you enough so that you can give away generously, materially. Second way, not only does God want you to be an open-hand Christian, he wants you to be an open-heart Christian. A transformed heart, Christian. Your heart will be transformed as you give generously. When we give, something happens. Amen? When you, when you give, when you do something together, you know, I, I, I should have brought it. I have it in my, in my office. I, I talked about it last week. I've got that, that agenda from 10 years ago that I went to the elders with, and I said, this is what I believe the Lord has us to do. And there was these four or five items. It's five items. And there was a six-figure number with them. And I said, this is what I believe the Lord has for us to do. And they looked at me like if I was crazy. And I got that agenda, just found it, and it's all been completed. And here's what I know for sure. It changes our hearts when you see God's faithfulness and the third way the third way is that we can make Jesus famous you see when we're generous God will be praised when you, when, when you go I want you to think with me I, I, I'm staring right now at Brent Strand, and he's a, he's a missionary. He's a missionary by heart. And, and you know, when Brent took the, took the helm, Brent and Becky Strand, and Becky leads worship, and, I mean, just wonderful. God is, you're using your talent. You're investing it. You're leaving a legacy. But here, here's something that you need to know that when Brent Strand, because Brent is a very quiet guy. In fact, you rarely, until you get to know him, then he talks too much. But he's a really quiet guy. But what I saw in Brent when he began to give of himself and his, and, his, and his gifting is that he changed, he blossomed. There was something that happened, and, and that's because his heart was changed. His hands were open to whatever God had for him. But more importantly than anything else is that whatever foot, I mean, let me say, say it a different way. Lord, thank you. Whatever land that your foot will touch, people will give praise to Jesus. Hear me, because that's prophetic. Whatever land that your foot will step on, and God will take you a lot of places, let me tell you, the people will be saying, Praise Jesus. See, we were called, beloved, 
to make Jesus famous. He's the one who's worthy. He's the one that's worthy to be on the platform. Amen? We do this through our generosity. We're going to pray the same prayer all four, all four weeks. This prayer that I, we, we prayed last week, we're going to pray it again because I just think it's very well said. So I want you to pull out your uh, outline and let's pray it together if you will. It's in your outline. And just join me in this prayer. Just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for all you've provided for my life and well-being. Thank you for every minute of time which you've invested in me so that I can make a positive difference in the people on my path. Thank you for the talent and gifting you've invested in me. I choose to be generous and 